Brought to you by Feitner Productions. From the Unreasonable Doubt Studios, in association with Feitner Productions, this is Laying Down the Law! With your host, Billy DeClerc, and co-hosts, Kristen Drenning and Curtis Rutherford. Featuring a jury of genius jokesmiths and paneled with the help of Publishers Clearinghouse, auditors from the firm of DCH Lottery Management, and selected by random draw from a hermetically sealed mayonnaise jar every Tuesday and Thursday at half past never. Only a madman would bring these people together to construct an entire virtual world of law and order simply to tear it asunder with ruckus laughter. That madman is attorney Billy DeClerc. The result is a podcast blasted to the farthest reaches of the interwebs. That podcast is this one, and it starts right now. Welcome to Laying Down the Law. I'm your host, Billy DeClerc, and I am the master of coherent nonsense. I'm here today with some guests. But first, let's hear from our co-host. I'm co-host Kristen Drenning, uh, actual lawyer, uh, commander of Jargon and Munbo Jumbo. That was written by Billy. Storyteller, <laughs> improv teacher here in Austin, Texas. Well, would you say you're not a commander of Mumbo Jumbo? No, what I would say, in fact, is that I'm a lover of lingo, a slinger of slang, a paragon of patter, or a queen of the colloquialism. Thank you. Dang, <laughs> that's great. I'm Lauren Michaels, procrastinator extraordinaire. Uh, somehow I've arrived to be witnessed today by these fellow humans. Uh, please welcome the most amazing Canadian you've ever heard. Uh, two-time Canadian comedy winner, Doug Morency. Hey, Hello. Doug. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, impromptu uh, introduction. So great. Thank and we do, so we do note that it was in the category of best male performer. That's an mm, important that's credit. And I'm just looking through your Wikipedia page and God, Doug, it is long, really long. But I'm just wondering about this reference to Montreal de Lens. Let's see, am I pronouncing that right? Montreal de Lens. Montreal de Lens. <laughs> it's um, in the commune of Brittany. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that figure into your bio there, Doug? I just um, wonder. <laughs> Um, I mean, I know you're Canadian and there's Montreal in uh, in Canada, but um, please elucidate us. Well, you know, it's just um, every once in a while, it's like a, uh, a fluke. Uh, uh, did you ever see that uh, documentary Searching for Sugarman about the guy who became very big in South Africa? For some reason, my comedy really hit big in this very specific <laughs> part of France. This one little small town. Just, <laughs> I didn't even, even know I was speaking that dialect and I was magically and they get it and they find jokes where really I, I didn't even know they were there. And uh, that's just, it's one of those flukes of nature. Yeah. Wow. You can't even visit anymore. No, it, it is. It's impossible to sit down and have a cup of coffee, you know, in peace. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, in all seriousness, Doug, I have been at dying to ask you about this because, um, my son Spencer and I are big fans of the Tim Robinson show. I think you should leave. We've already streamed all of season three. We've memorized most of seasons one and two. And on my third time watching, um, I was just, you know, watching the credits as one does. And I saw your name and I was like, there can't be two <laughs> comics named Doug Moretz. They just can't. And I went back and I watched the entire episode and I was like, is he in which sketch? I don't see. 
Hmm. So, um, so please tell us about your experience on, uh, the show. Yeah. I, um, uh, I shot a really, I thought funny, stupid, silly scene. Uh, it was a uh, part of a longer bit and we unfortunately just got cut out. Um, but I'm still getting residuals for it. So that's okay. <laughs> that's great. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, isn't that the best of all worlds? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that show too. It's like yeah. hilarious. Well, yeah, and I, I, um, I, that caused me to do some digging and, and found out that that Tim uh, really did come out of Second City in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I, and I, you know, a lot of Second City people in the early episodes, mm-hmm. um, especially. And this, um, uh, this season as well, a bunch of like Second City people from back way back when. Yeah, that's so great. I love when I love when people are like doing really well and they're real loyal to the people that kind of help them get there. That's that's awesome. Um, so, um, yeah, and I, I had done some and I, I guess they when they shoot their sketches, they're like long, long. And then they just kind of like trim them down and see how things turn out. And then they just tighten it, tighten it, tighten it. Um, so I've been frequently as a sketch writer, frequently told my sketches are too long, but then I, I say, you know what, <laughs> Tim Robinson could do it. I could do it too. I, you know, uh-huh. like in my, in my, uh, cons four class, I wrote a 12 page sketch. He's like, I'm still timing you. This is supposed to be three pages. I'm like anything worth doing is worth doing long. So awesome. Well, I think that makes you one of the biggest stars that have been on this podcast. Oh. Um, honestly, yeah. So so congratulations. Two-time Canadian comedy award winner, Doug Morency. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And such a humble guy. All right. Before we get into our law stuff of the week, I want to just do a segment. Um, and this is from Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it's going to get a little serious here for a minute because we're going to talk about professional responsibility of lawyers today. And I just love this um, bit from Abraham Lincoln. It's called Notes of a Law Lecture from July 1st, 1850. Um, and this section near the end is... Uh, just some some great writing by our 16th president, our 16th president. Sorry, Doug, not yours. Um, but, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln really belongs to everybody. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So there is a vague popular belief that lawyers are necessarily dishonest. I say vague because when we consider to what extent confidence and honors are reposed in and conferred upon lawyers by the people, it appears improbable that their impression of dishonesty is very distinct and vivid, yet the impression is common, almost universal. Let no young person choosing the law for a calling for a moment yield to the popular belief. Resolve to be honest at all events, and if in your own judgment you cannot be an honest lawyer, resolve to be honest without being a lawyer. Choose some other occupation rather than one in the choosing of which you do in advance consent to be a knave. Pretty good from Honest Abe there. Very Mm -hmm. powerful stuff. Put that on the wall of the law school bathroom is what I say. That's what he opened with uh, for the Gettysburg Address, right? (laughs) Yeah. Just went from there to it was like the the preamble to the preamble. Yeah. That's a that's T-shirt slogan territory if I've ever heard anything. Right yeah, there. well, there's the, the section above. Um, I I love even more because he says uh, discourage litigation. Uh, it's this whole thing about um, I frequently quote it, but basically, 
you know, that a lot of times the nominal winner is actually a loser in terms of waste of time and fees and whatnot. I take a great deal of inspiration from that legitimately. Mm. This being a comedy pod- podcast, notwithstanding, I do, uh, um, I do actually take some, some inspiration from that. So I was recently listening to my own podcast and I remember an episode a few weeks back, um, producer Jeff um, pointed out to me that we should not necessarily call the case of the week, the segment that I was calling the case of the week. We shouldn't really call it the case of the week. We should call it something else like the concept of the week, because, you know, while we frequently use case law, um, case law, meaning, you know, plaintiff versus defendant and something happened and then it gets appealed and but that's that's case law that I frequently rely on case law to teach to teach in the episodes as as we do in law school and Jeff said you know maybe you didn't want to expand a little call it the case of the week so I've come up with this very clever title which is today's law thing so today's law <laughs> Today's law thing. Today's law thing thing has to do with lawyers and the court's sanctions power. We talked a couple episodes ago about contempt sanctions, which is disobedience of a court order. Mm. But this is something different. There is an inherent power, and it is um, in all courts, um, to sanction or basically penalize lawyers for doing unethical stuff. Now, um, the most widely known rule in this area is rule 11 of the federal rules of civil procedure. And the reason it's the most widely known is it applies across the country. And a lot of states use the same numbering system for their local rules. Um, In California, it would be code of civil procedure section 128.5 and 128.7 that are the California analogs. I know that because this is where I'm practicing law. It's good Um, that you know that. Yeah, yeah, I do know that. And um, I have dealt with sanctions motions before. So there are several different components to federal rule 11, which go, the rule goes back to 1938, but it was significantly strengthened in the eighties because there was a feeling that it was having, it was basically toothless. It was having no effect. And so they gave a lot more power to the rule. The number of rule 11 sanctions went way up and it's been amended a few times since, but what federal rule 11 does is it covers several different things relating to the lawyer's honesty before the court. And so there are, you're required to sign every pleading as a lawyer. There's always a signature line. You're required to sign it. And the signature means that you are certifying certain things, that you're certifying that what you are presenting to the court has merit, essentially, that the facts are true as you know them after a reasonable investigation that the law you're citing is correct. And if it's not exactly correct, that the law could be expanded to cover the arguments you're making, that you're not doing it for the purposes of delay or to increase costs on the other side, that you're doing it for basically an ethical reason. And if you don't, after certifying a pleading, you can get sanctioned by the court. So that comes up two different ways. The other side that if you're, you know, the, the other litigant can bring up a sanctions motion um, and I have filed and uh, defended sanctions motions. And I did, I have been sanctioned once, I will admit. It's um, not something I'm proud of, but I will uh, tell you about it if you want to hear. I don't think I deserved it. I still don't think I deserved it. <laughs> no, I, I really don't. I want to hear that story. You want to hear yeah, the story? I okay, I'll tell you the story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you the story. The sanctions relates to really the facts and the law. 
And, you know, the, the role of the lawyer is applying the current factual situation to the, whatever law is applicable. So I had a case in which my client filed, they had had a lawsuit in the Cayman Islands and they decided to refile it in San Francisco, the Northern District of California for reasons that are, well, they were losing was the real reason. But I didn't know that. <laughs> and um, I was told, hey, file this motion, you know, file this lawsuit in in the court. Can you handle it? And I filed it. And then come to find out that they had another case that was almost identical in the Cayman Islands that they dismissed the next day. So, of course, the defendant, the other side, brought that up to the court and was like, hey, there's another case it's not related it's related to this case and they didn't tell you about it and there's a rule that you're supposed to tell the court if there's another case so instead of just fessing up and saying you know what my bad my mistake you know we didn't know this is a related case sorry we made a decision to double down <laughs> okay never double down no that's the rule never double down and we made this argument that essentially the rule says the rule says you're supposed to inform the court of a related case that's related it's related if it's pending in any state or federal court well the cayman islands is not in the united states it's in another country it's another country okay it's not in the us so if you read the rule it doesn't cover the cayman islands and so I told that we told the judge, judge doesn't cover the Cayman Islands. The judge did not like that argument. So he was more of a spirit than a than a formalist. Like, a well, he was a don't guy. try to fool me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> don't try to slide one by me and then tell me that, you know, oh, it's not in the rules. So it was legitimately, truthfully, without it saying anything that's privileged. It's still privileged because the client, even though it's a former client, it was legitimately not my fault. I did not know that there was another case that was identical in the Cayman Islands when I signed and filed this motion. And I probably shouldn't have tried to defend what we had done, but rather what I should have done is just said, oops, sorry, my bad. Mm. But we took a more aggressive line and the judge didn't like it. So that was my bad. And what, um, what's the punishment? Like they find uh, the judge find us um, the attorneys a thousand dollars. I've heard worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of worse, we're going to get into mm -hmm. worse. So let me just give you what Rule Eleven says. Rule Eleven says that by presenting to the court a pleading motion or other paper, whether by signing, filing, submitting, or what fucked me up later advocating it. <laughs> An attorney or unrepresented party certifies to the best of the person's knowledge, information, and belief formed after an inquiry that's reasonable under the circumstances. And that's key language. Rule 11 imposes an inquiry duty. So if your client walks in and says, tells you this story, you don't just run out and file a lawsuit. You're supposed to do some investigation. You're not supposed to just take your client at their words because... Everybody knows, every lawyer knows, you can't spell client without a lie in it. Mm. Oh. That's an old chestnut. <laughs> that is an old chestnut. You can't spell client without a lie in it. So, uh, <laughs> so you got to look, <laughs> you got to look things up, oh, gather documents, make oh. sure that they're not, you know, that your client's not lying. Because if you misrepresent something to the court, 
even if it's based on what your client told you and you didn't investigate, it's on you, attorney. Mm. All right. So, so this is federal rule of civil procedure 11B. Subsection one is that it's not presented for an in- improper purpose, such as to harass, cause unnecessary delay, or needlessly increase the lo- the cost of litigation. And at that, I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever been sanctioned for needlessly increasing the cost of litigation or there'd be no lawsuits, for God's sake. Yes. Mm. B2 is that the claims, defenses, and other legal contentions are warranted by existing law or by a non-frivolous argument for extending, modifying, or reversing existing law or for establishing new law. So you're allowed to take a position that's contrary to what the law is, but you have to basically be clear about why you think the law needs to change. So there's a, in law school, there's a whole bunch you study about whether you need to cite negative authority. Negative authority is authority that's bad for you. So when you're researching your motion, whatever it is, you need, you know, go find the cases and then there's a case, you find it and it's like, oh, this one's bad. This one says something that we don't agree with. So one approach would be to submarine it, ignore it and not cite it. Don't tell the judge that a case exists. Another approach would be to raise it and explain why it doesn't apply. All right. So. And there can be tough ethical judgment calls for lawyers in this area, whether a case is truly on point and adverse or whether a case that you want to use has been overruled by some other case. And you can make mistakes. And and I have made mistakes citing cases that have been overruled by another case or that have, you know, there's another case out there that I didn't find or didn't see that's bad for us. That's different than, you know, if there's a bad case and you just don't don't cite it. And you can get in trouble if you if you're not careful about your research. You do something that you know is explicitly against either a case or a rule or a statute or whatever. Um, I had that happen today. We we were going to file something, and I was looking at the rules, and I said, "Oh, actually, we can't file this. This is wrong." And so you just can't do it. You got to say, "Okay, well, let's take another approach." Okay, so you're not supposed to break the rules and just hope you don't get caught. That doesn't stop a lot of people, which is why the court has the power to. Sanction. Subsection B under Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 11B3 is that the factual contentions have evidentiary support, or if you specifically so identify, will likely have evidentiary support after a reasonable opportunity for further investigation or discovery. You're not required to have the evidence at the outset because that's what discovery is for. You know, if you you think like the evidence is out there and I'm not talking about like X-Files kind of way, (laughs) like the evidence is out there, the other side has it, um, you know, but you just don't have control of that evidence, then it's fine. You can say, I think we can develop that evidence or I think their witnesses are going to agree with my perspective on these events. You know, the witnesses are going to say the light was green. They're not going to say the light was red. Um, You know, the traffic cam is going to show that I was not in the intersection, that kind of thing. So you have to basically, as the lawyer... Tell the court when you sign something, you submit it, you're saying the fact these facts are true to the best of my knowledge. This law is correct to the best of my knowledge. And I'm doing this for a legitimate reason, not just to screw with the other side. So if there's a violation, subsection C of Rule 11 says that um, the other side can bring a motion to get you sanctioned or the court can sua sponte, which means on its own motion or itself issue sanctions. Okay, so this is all the background. This is all background. And then the type of sanctions can be money, like this guy got, 
They can also be non-monetary directives. A couple of episodes ago, we had some lawyers who were you know, told to so they had to hold, hold a sign outside the courtroom saying yeah. where to go, right? You can pay the penalty to court or you can be hit with attorney's fees to pay the other side their attorney's fees. Courts can get pretty whimsical about this, actually. It seems they like. can. Yeah, they they really can and creative. And the idea being that the the purpose of this rule is deterrence, is that you're supposed to be able to prevent lawyers from basically lying through their teeth, which <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but um, but at hey. least if you catch them, there's something you can do. Now I'm just going against that quote. I was going to say, what would Lincoln say? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this vague popular belief comes from. It's not so much that lawyers are dishonest, but it's like it's like they're always arguing the they're like freaking what's his name at at Wimbledon that was just always arguing like that was McEnroe. John McEnroe, yeah. I like to think of lawyers as truth selectors or truth prioritizers. I'm just gonna pull out the things that I think are good. Yeah, a exactly. Purveyor of alternative truths. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some alternative yeah. truths. Um lawyers are getting into trouble all over the country because they um, went, in, went into court and they said that the 2020 election was stolen and judges are like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> That's not supported by the facts. I like to call us the Knights of Nuance, okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's great. So with all that background, I wanted to tell you, you've probably seen this. It's recent in the news. A couple of lawyers are in big trouble in the state of New York because they used a tool <laughs> called ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And they are in hot water over it. How could this have ever gone wrong? It could never go wrong. And, you know, for context, you know, if you follow the legal press at all, there's been there's been a lot of attention given to artificial intelligence and it's coming for our jobs and it knows how to do everything. And we're going to be dead in the water and all these law firms are rushing to adopt AI tools to save time and save money and all this stuff. So. It's in this factual background that this case arises. So these two attorneys, I, I did the research and uh, I really did research this pretty extensively. They um, are pretty humiliated about the whole thing. Their names <laughs> in the court pleadings. Apparently there's been just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles. They've been the butt of jokes and they're, it's like their career is kind of like it's ruined. Yeah. Like it reminds me of that time where that lawyer couldn't figure out how to turn off the Snapchat cat filter yeah. in court. <laughs> lawyer cat. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a cat. I think it, ah. it would have gone as viral if it hadn't been, first of all, the pandemic. And we're all like, what the hell is Zoom? And second, if he hadn't said, I assure you, your honor, I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> There's another one with a guy whose name got changed by somebody else to Buttfucker 3000. <laughs> no. The judge is like, Who are you? What kind of yay? Who are you? The guy's genuinely confused and freaking. I was like, I don't know what happened. I mean, Zoom is dangerous. But we've got Zoom down. We've got Zoom down. Okay. And now this new thing, Chat GPT or, or just AI tools in general. So there's a lot of there's a lot of press about um AI. So for those of you who don't know, AI, uh, ChatGPT is not a research tool. Do not use it for research. It is predictive generative text. In essence, 
ChatGPT is an improviser. Mm. It improvises with itself because what it does is it predicts what the next word is. That's all it does. And it's really, really good at predicting the next word. Really good, as you're about to find out. But that's all it does. It guesses the next word. It yes-ands itself all day long. Oh, man. Never have I thought of like, improv as such like a well of solipsism. As I it is. Right it really is. <laughs> so the names of these lawyers are Stephen Schwartz, who, it shall be stipulated, is not the Broadway and film composer Stephen Schwartz, author of Pippin, <laughs> Godspell, Prince of Egypt. It's not that Stephen Schwartz. The different Stephen Schwartz. And Peter Loduca. That's just an unfortunately hilarious name of Levido, Levido and Oberman are going to have a hearing and we're recording this uh, podcast episode on June 7th, 2023. The hearing is tomorrow, June 8th. So you're not going to find out the outcome. Oh my God. Listeners, you will, because we're going to go back and put it in. I assume if we get a ruling, we're going to put this in before we release it. But you, Lauren, Kristen, Doug, will not know. Nor will I. So your predictions will be accurate as of this time. <laughs> so we're really going to have fun in the prediction game here. So um, they cited. Well. <laughs> so in a pleading, they cited six cases that were not real cases, not real cases, completely oh, fake. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, why? six. Only six. Oh, my six God. cases. They were invented by ChatGPT. And they never... Lawyers have pretty much one job, right? Like, just check those. So the... the, What? (laughs) So I'll tell you how it happened. It was... um, I I, I knew it was going to be stupid, but... And that's funny. It's funny. So so I um, went through all the filings and stuff, and I, I got the full story from this because I'm a lawyer and I have access to databases, <laughs> which is kind of the problem for these guys. Right. So Peter Loduca submits this brief to the court with six cases <laughs> that don't exist. The judge basically issued an order and said, give me copies of these six cases. So they submit five of them. All right. And then they attach them to a, to a, uh, an affidavit. The opposing counsel is a big firm. Uh, this is this Levido, Levido and Oberman is a four lawyer firm in New York. They're, uh, the lawyers on the other side are a big firm, um, Condon and Forsyth. And um, they said, basically, these cases don't exist. Not sure what you're talking about. And so on May 4th, the court issued an order to show cause regarding issuance of sanctions at a hearing at June 8th. An order to show cause means tell me why I shouldn't do this as basically like mom and dad saying, like, tell me why I don't ground you. So they basically had to explain themselves. So uh, Schwartz in an affidavit that was circulated widely on social media, which is how I found it on Twitter, (laughs) basically owned up. So Peter Loduca is the one that signed the pleading. But Stephen Schwartz actually is the one that did the research. Peter was just the poor Patsy who signed off on his boss's work. Okay. He's the associate. By the way, he's been practicing law since 1985 and he's an associate. So Peter's got got his career prospect. He's not even a partner. Okay. So he just signed off on this thing because Peter Loduca was admitted to practice in the court. And this is in federal court in the Southern District of New York. And you can't obviously sign a pleading unless you... You can get admitted for just that one case. It's called Pro Hoc Vice. But 
Peter Loduca basically took on signing off on this stuff because the case went from New York state court to New York federal court for reasons I shall explain. And Peter was basically the guy in the office that was allowed to go to New York federal court. So Peter's the one that signed it. Peter didn't do anything on it. He didn't. All he did was sign off on his boss's work. Stephen Schwartz is the one that did the research. So Stephen Schwartz signed, basically filed a declaration and said, don't blame Peter. It's on me. It's my I fault. See. And here what's, here's what happened. My college age kids told me there's this thing called ChatGPT. And ChatGPT told me these cases. And I didn't realize, I thought it was like a kind of like new research database. And I asked ChatGPT. And um, if you look in the, um, the show outline, not only did ChatGPT cite these cases, it also generated <laughs> fake cases. Uh-huh. And then when Schwartz was like, are these real cases? ChatGPT doubled down. He asks ChatGPT, and I'm looking at the I'm looking at the screenshots from his oh, his no. shot his discussion right now. Oh, is Varghese God. a real case? The case is V A R G H E S E. You will not find that in any database. It does not exist. No, is it really real? Yeah, really real. ChatGPT says yes. Varghese v China Southern Airlines Company Limited nine two five F third thirteen thirty nine eleventh Circuit twenty nineteen is a real case. Stephen Schwartz, no fool, no fool is Stephen Schwartz. What is your source, ChatGPT? I apologize for the confusion earlier. This is so insidious. Upon double checking, I found that the case Varghese v. China Southern Airlines Co. Limited 925F1339 11th Circuit 2019 does indeed exist and can be found on legal research databases such as Westlaw and LexisNexis. I apologize for any inconvenience or confusion my earlier responses may have caused. Stephen Schwartz, no fool. Are the other cases you provided fake? No, the other cases I provided are real (laughs) and can be found in reputable legal databases such as LexisNexis and Westlaw. It is funny to me that he never thought to himself, hey, why don't I just go check out check Westlaw? Out, like, or yeah, and that's, well, that's there's exactly an, what I was thinking. He's busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Next one. laughs> Oh, Lexus and Westlaw are expensive. Also. So Although yeah. as a small firm practitioner, I yeah. definitely feel them. I feel yeah. them at what happened here. Cause it's, this is definitely like shit that happens at a small firm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when every Lexus search costs like $700. Yeah. It's so bad. Oh my God. Oh God. All right. So here's the deal in the file. So, so obviously um, Stephen Schwartz, Peter Loduca and the firm of Levito, Levito and Oberman got Got attorneys to represent them for this oh, for the yeah. sanctions because <laughs> they're like, oh my god, this is a shit storm. Yes, this is a shit storm. We're being mocked on social media, and we're. Gonna get I don't think they're going to survive mean, this. I mean, yeah. well, it'll be up to you whether whether they get sanctioned. But yeah. so here's the deal: there are legal research databases called LexisNexis and Westlaw, and they cost money, and it's not a small amount of money. They cost no. hundreds of dollars a month. There are also other databases such as FastCase, CaseText, 
Um, there are a few other competitors that are that are kind of trying to break through. Basically, like you know, the LaCroix. If 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 LexisNexis and Westlaw are like Coke and Pepsi, then like Fast Case is like you know RC Cola or like um, you know Shasta. It's like you know, it's still cola, but it's not like you know, it's not Diet Coke or Pepsi. It's cheaper. So in subsequent declarations um, filed in the last few days, uh, Stephen Schwartz explained that. <laughs> Their law firm had a fast case subscription, not Lexus or Westlaw. Oh, no. And when you pay for your subscription, you pay based on the database coverage. So if you want, if you're working at a big firm, all right, they give you, as I did in my early career, they give you the works and it's hundreds of dollars. Okay. And you can search every state, every federal case, Mm. foreign cases, whatever. It's all in there. They get you hooked on this in law school. They absolutely oh, yeah. like encourage you to just get just oh, yeah. so hooked on that. Because yeah. every law student gets a free subscription, which is great if yeah. you're one of the mm-hmm. you know, one of those that goes straight out and works for a big law firm and it's like, I don't care, whatever. And just you're just you, you know, whatever the research. Anyway, we can get into legal yeah. database economics and all that crap <laughs> yes. later. But it's it's a it's a scam because <laughs> all they're doing is basically indexing. Even actually, even Google has um, a case law searching feature. It's not great, but Google, you can use Google Scholar for free mm-hmm. because the cases are not copyrighted. They're government work. They belong to everybody. Right. So what they're, I mean, there are copyrighted works in there like law reviews and treatises and stuff, but the cases themselves, that's public record information that's paid for by your tax dollars. And so, um, well, I mean, yeah, my tax dollars anyway. I don't know about you guys, but anyway, that's the con there. So Schwartz is, was trying to research this issue. And I'll tell you what the issue was for the extreme nerds, the extreme nerds. Um, I will explain what the what the situation was, but basically their fast case subscription <laughs> had been suspended. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> Pay no. the bill. Oh no. In a law office, we have but one obligation and that is to have some access to the law. <laughs> oh my god it's like comedy of errors i mean these I was, guys jesus christ pardon me i'm sorry god sorry for, sorry for using your name in vain um yeah it's bad okay <laughs> so they their fast case subscription didn't cover the right jurisdiction that you would need to look up the specific oh. issue that was going on here was this avianca airlines the defense so the the situation the underlying case what this case is all about is their client got injured because a drink cart bumped into him on an airplane. Mm, mm-hmm. That's what the case is about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they sue the airline in New York state court and Avianca says we're bankrupt. See you later because the automatic stay in bankruptcy protects us. So the lawyers then dismiss the state court claim and they file in federal court. And then Avianca is like, oh, you're too late. Statute of limitations ran out. Ooh. So the specific legal issue was on a motion to dismiss that Avianca had filed because they missed the statute of limitations. And they basically argued that the Montreal, <laughs> the Montreal Convention <laughs> told the statute of limitations for purposes of claims that were prevented by the automatic stay in bankruptcy. Not right there, easy stuff. Okay, so this is a pretty tough question that he's researching and all the cases 
that have been cited by the big firm were like, no, Avianca's protected. You ran out of time. The the uh, Montreal Convention doesn't apply. But Varghese, <laughs> the non-existent case, says, no, we <laughs> analogize to the Warsaw Convention, which, which does toll the statute. So he just like he's went like way down the wrong path following ChatGPT. Do I did I completely lose you guys on all? No, that? I think it's. I'm just thinking it's funny to myself that they didn't also kind of worry about the statutory tolling issue before they dismissed their claim. And well, in that the, was another. I mean, yeah. these guys are clearly like just. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they they should not have dismissed the case before they figured that out. Yeah. No. No. Um, they, they yeah. should not have allowed their. Fast case subscription. To <laughs> and somebody needed to like be like, gee, why can't we find these actual cases when the judge asked for them? They go back to ChatGPT and ChatGPT, they're like, um, can you give me a copy of Varghese? And ChatGPT is like, sure, here you go. Completely made up the whole fucking thing. <laughs> That's amazing. Though. Completely made up the whole fucking thing. This is not a joke. He completely made it up. Like ChatGPT invented it. Now on our podcast episode that just dropped last week, we consulted ChatGPT and it like made up a citation to the restatement of torts. And like, mm. just, this makes no sense. So there's some like too dumb to be a crook defense going on here. Yes. Yeah. Because there's no way that t that case, like in any way, it's like when you do the pictures of, from with like AI now, like all the people have like 17 fingers on their hands. Like, yeah, you can't it's like, think it's real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, completely. <laughs> it's like I, you catch somebody in a lie and you're like, you didn't lie to me, right? And they're like, no, why would I lie? Like, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So as that's GPT. ChatGPT is just imitating human yeah. behavior. I'm an improviser. I make up all my work. And if you ask me to justify what I'm doing, I'm going to double down because that's, that shit's funny. That's a perfect comparison. Chat GBT doesn't know it's lying. No, it doesn't know it's lying. It really doesn't. It's, it's just that old Costanza adage. It's yeah. not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> it's true. Exactly. There it is. It's not a lie if you believe it. They refer to it as hallucinations, apparently. Uh, um, I I was oh, coming up with boy. some acronyms for this, and I, I think I've gone with uh, uh, Gonzo Precedent Trickster for GPT, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> Gaslighting. Yeah. Projecting. Yeah. There's a lot of good options. <laughs> yeah. Well, also chasing the whole AI angle. I think I got very interested in this, and I, I came across a Wikipedia article about the Chinese room argument or the Chinese room experiment which has to do with this real interesting problem in, in artificial intelligence as to whether or not um, it actually has consciousness. It, so ChatGPT doesn't know it's lying <laughs> would require you to think that ChatGPT thinks. Yeah. And so the Chinese room experiment basically is the idea that if someone's in a room that's full of books all about China and you ask them any question at all about China, could they, given enough time, um, and processing speed give you the answer. And if answer is limited to the things that are confined to that room, I think I'm explaining this right. I'm, if you're um, listening to this and you're an artificial intelligence expert, you are 3,000 million, 100 jillion listeners. You go ahead and drop something in the comments and tell me I'm wrong. But essentially, if it's from a body of information and it can't, then it can't think for itself. 
It doesn't have no matter how human like its response is. So for ChatGPT to know it's lying, ChatGPT would have to have some awareness that there's an objective truth outside its experience. Um, and it can tell you if you ask it, it will tell you I am a lar I am a language learning model. I don't really know anything about the world. <laughs> also, yeah, I think it's too narcissistic to believe that there is a truth outside of <laughs> yeah. whatever it creates, right? Well, there's been some some interesting like articles about um, ChatGPT like doing the improv for too long because at one point, like if there's an article that ChatGPT named itself Sydney and said it had feelings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. whoa, and like the engineers are like, no, 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 no. ChatGPT is just imitating robots that gain consciousness in science fiction it's not actually conscious uh -huh. <laughs> like, i'm but not like, really sure like what's the difference i don't know yes. what the difference oh, is right? Right? a lot of crazy gray area out there yeah, yeah. i mean so if this was a if this was a philosophy podcast which it is not we could talk about what's the nature of consciousness and wow. it, you know does a does chat have an ethical um what what are the ethical components can you know what's ethical use involved I, how close are we to being like ai i know you're listening what do you think go ahead yeah i mean we could what's actually ask yeah. we could actually it's it's for for podcast purposes its response time is a little slow um oh, but we wow. could ask these questions of wow. chat and oh. um <laughs> and we have and um it's um interestingly so it taking back to the um the Loduca and Schwartz case, um, their new lawyers actually went in and asked ChatGPT the same questions, and ChatGPT wouldn't wouldn't do it anymore. I was gonna say, like, it's like I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I can't cite legal cases. Uh, you need to consult a lawyer. Like, it it basically completely changed its response. So they they updated the either the engineers did or it updated itself. But but it learned that like. It doesn't actually know. Um, and so and that was a different improv show. I'm a different character. Now. <laughs> exactly. I also was going to say, I would like to see like them do discovery to find out what the actual prompts it was giving ChatGPT were uh, to get it to, to make an entire case. You got a new, you got to finesse that. I think. A right. Little bit. Yeah. Oh no. And he, if you repeated the exact same prompts. No, no, like, he did. He did. Same prompts. Oh, wow. No, wow. no. Schwartz did oh, produce weird. his prompts. Oh, he did wow. produce all of his prompts. I, 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 he went, he, look, did, Whoa. did Steven Schwartz really write Pippin? He did. Yeah. Did Steven Schwartz <laughs> also really think he was researching the Montreal convention? He did. He was fooled. Okay. And he, it's very clear in, in the, in the declarations, he basically didn't understand what ChatGPT was. He basically talked to his kids who were like, Hey, He's like, I don't know. I got to research this really tough legal question. And his kids are like, oh, we're using ChatGPT for everything. And he's like, okay, I'm going to listen to my <laughs> college age kids about how to cheat at homework. Fair enough. Okay. You know, they cheated, like, gave one of those, like, where you make all the F's, A's, and they gave that to their dad. Like, yeah. Their kids, and he's like, hey, that's just great. And then later he's like, wait, you didn't do that, did you? And they're like, no, we didn't no. do that. They're like, oh, okay, just making sure. No. I mean, basically, I mean, you know, there's a different rant about um, school. Basically, if you're teachers, if you're giving assignments that ChatGPT can do, then you need to rethink what you're assigning to your students. 
Okay. Oh, hey. Okay. 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 Right. Right. If you, if your students can do whatever you're assigning using ChatGPT, then you need to rethink what you're assigning. Period. Ooh. End of story. Ooh, strong stance. Strong no, I mean around. seriously. No, I if love it can it. be answered using be Google, if yeah. it can be answered using Google, or it can be that. answered using ChatGPT and passed off as student work, then you need to rethink what you're assigning because you are not teaching your students anything. Sorry, it's not useful. I love it. No. And I use, and I'm a credentialed teacher formerly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really, you should, you should be assigning things that, that actually requires them to think. So, so say, you know, write a series of command prompts that will get ChatGPT to write an essay. And this time, get, you have a choice, write an essay yourself or get ChatGPT to write it. But if you use ChatGPT, show me what it is or do in-class assignments or whatever, but don't, you know, just don't be stupid. And also like they should, students should be using ChatGPT if that's what's going to be out there in the future. Like you wouldn't have them wash clothes by hand when you have a washing machine. Don't tell me how to live or how to teach. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, I hope I didn't piss off any teachers, but um, I really, I mean, or, I just think. Uh, or robots. Or ro Well, no, if the robots are. <laughs> Sydney out there, if you're out there, we're sorry. Yeah, we are sorry, Sydney. <laughs> Sydney, Sydney. So he submitted his command prompts and legitimately was confused because he thought that it was like Lexus or Westlaw, but it was just for free. And that sure. it could, it was a natural, he thought that because Lexus and Westlaw have natural language search results. So you can ask it a question just like you can Google and like Google Lexus or Westlaw, or I, I don't know, I haven't used fast case, but they'll spit back answers. So you're like, what are the, you know, what are the elements of a cause of action for negligence? It'll tell you that. And then it'll give you the case citation. So from the perspective of Mr. Schwartz, the results he was getting were not that different from what you'd get in a real legal database. And they were so factual and the citations look real. They're correctly formatted citations. Hmm. They are, it looks like real legal work. So much so that I actually found an article by a judge, it's cited in their papers as well, in which he was asking ChatGPT about the judicial responsibility to understand technology and ChatGPT cited the canons of judicial ethics in a, in a way that was so convincing that he was like, sure that the quotation was from there from somewhere. He wrote in the article, he said, I have spent more time talking to law librarians and researching this quote that sounds authoritative than I did writing this entire article because it was so convincing. ChatGPT and AI models are excellent at pretending to be real, but they're not real. They don't know anything. The Pinocchio problem. Except how to pretend to know things, mm -hmm. which makes them very qualified to be lawyers, actually. Politicians, maybe. <laughs> Again, Lincoln is rolling in his grave. It hurts. He is. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes fake it till you make it, right? That's basically seems to be the approach here. So a judge in Texas, aware of the problem with ChatGPT, has issued a standing order now. And I think this is going to be the bellwether of what's to come. Way, way to go, Texas, bellwethering, mm -hmm. as we uh, are want to do. Federal trial court judge basically said, if you're going to use ChatGPT or you're going to use AI, you're going to tell me that you're using it. And you are going to certify that you independently verified whatever results you got. And if you don't want to do that, 
then you can submit to me and you can explain why you think it's reliable. He says, any party believing a platform has the requisite accuracy and reliability for legal briefing may move for leave to use it and explain why. So this is this one judge. He says, they'll strike any filing from an attorney who fails to file a certificate attesting they've read this, these requirements and understands that he or she will be held responsible under Rule 11 for the contents of any filing that he or she signs and submits to the court, regardless of whether generative or artificial intelligence drafted any portion of the filing. This is Judge Starr with two R's. Don't mess with Texas. Please don't. Please mm-hmm. do not. <laughs> <laughs> So enough. <laughs> so the question remains, and there, uh, so it's fascinating case. It's definitely, uh, I think it's the first of, it's the first out there, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Schwartz and Loduca tomorrow. Wow! Oh man! How will we know? Will you update us? Oh God! Well, <laughs> here's my plan. I'm gonna check back. Um, I'm gonna find out what the ruling is. I'm gonna add it as an addendum to this recording, and then uh, when producer Jeff releases it, I will, uh, will include it. So listen all the way to the end, because we here, the four of us don't know the outcome. If you read the paper, you probably already do when you're listening to this, because it'll probably get covered. I do think there's going to be a term invented tomorrow mm-hmm. where people will be referring to you as being Schwartz and Le- the Ducat. No, the Ducat. I really got Schwartz and the Ducat. I think so. I actually think this case could end up in some textbooks because it's perfect because it raises all the right issues about rule 11, about professional responsibility and about legal technology. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating situation. I I can tell you their practice insurance is going to be unmanageable now. I think there's just no way. I mean, if I were Schwartz and Loduca, I would turn, I would take the show on the road, man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) There's only silver linings. There's only silver linings. Don't stop doubling down. (laughs) We use chat and AI in all of our cases. (laughs) Yep, that's right. (laughs) We will make up facts for you. That's right. Just, just like tour the country, make it a speaking tour, you know, on professional response responsibility um you know and just just own it just be like hey look what happened to me i mean it works (laughs) for sports figures become a motivational speaker (laughs) (laughs) i mean i would just like i like if i was like i'd go on the law school circuit and just be like i'm an ethics bad example you know yeah Yeah. don't be like me don't be like me kid (laughs) exactly Legalgoofus.com. Yeah, scaredstraightlawyers.com. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We can hear from our many, many sponsors. Oh, by the way, today's episode is brought to you by OpenAI, producer of ChatGPT. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, it isn't. They wrote Um, all of our dialogue, too. Yeah. yeah. Nope. If you're interested in being a sponsor, uh, OpenAI, because I think you've got boatloads of money, why don't you go ahead and contact um, Earmark CPE or um, contact producer Jeff at Fight Pro and um, be ready to write a big-ass check, because... Funny costs money, baby. All right, after this quick break, we'll come back with Comedy Court. Here's the story of coronavirus. When the government was clearly unprepared, all of us had heard the dire warnings. And we all got scared. It's the story of a world pandemic where 
we're told to lock down in our homes with lots of hand washing and social distance. Now we are all alone. Till the one day when we learned the world surrendered and we had to overcome our doom and gloom. You're on mute. Live comedy the second Saturday of every month at the Pack Theater in Hollywood. And we're back with Comedy Court. We call in the case of uh, the Southern District of New York against Stephen Schwartz and Peter Loduca. All rise. The Honorable Court is now in session. All right. Please be seated. Let's begin. I I am um, I'm just here uh, to because I'm just listening to my boss on this one. <laughs> uh, good day, Judge. I'm here on on behalf of Mr. Shorts. Uh, we thought using uh, the shorts was using a. Before you go further, I research. love everything everything Mr. Schwartz has ever written. Love it. Huge fan. <laughs> Just want to say I'm really I, I've been truly inspiring in, in my law career. Even thank you, Mr. Schwartz. But anyway, you were saying. Well, though music is his forte, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. <laughs> Mr. Schwartz's uh, secondary career has run into some unexpected obstacles with technology. Mm. You see, uh. oh, well, <clears throat> you know that whole thing where if you, that somebody tells you something, you should get a second opinion. Mr. Shorts being the successful musical maker he is never needed a second opinion until mm, now mm -hmm. i understand so if i understand it correctly um we expect that mr schwartz should have tried to obtain a second opinion after getting legal advice from chat gtp is that basically what we're talking about here um if I might chime in, uh, Peter Laduca, associate. Uh, uh, Laduca. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> associate of uh, 38 years in good standing with the bar. Um, yeah. yes, uh, in my 38 years of legal practice, I have always just done what I have been told to do. I have always just signed my, my, my briefs when my bosses hand them to me. I have never sought a second opinion. And that is why I am still a, an associate. I, I, I'm not a go-getter, you know? <laughs> No. And who's to say that second opinion is going to be any more valid than the first opinion? <laughs> yes. It takes a lot of time and unnecessary billing, I should think, for our clients. Mm. Well, two out of three, uh, if that doesn't work, you do four out of five. You know, it's like a coin toss. Mm. 
yeah. <laughs> I think That's it, how it we should, learned it at Yale. A simple majority should be uh, deciding all of these uh, tr- cases. Frankly, Your Honor, I am so desperate, desperate to be made a partner after 38 long years slaving away at this office. I, I would sign, I would sign a, a, a contract for my very own soul if my boss presented it to me. <laughs> I understand. And Mr. LeDuc, is that the only suit you own? It's, it's looks like it's seen much better days. Uh, yes, Your Honor, I did manage to fish this outside of the trash of the rejects pile from the Goodwill, but I uh, assure you that I am working towards a, a big boy well, suit uh, one day. Please, uh, I hope that comes to you, Mr. Duke. I just wanted to say I can still smell the Wendy's on that yeah. suit from here. And just something I think you should be aware of. Oh, Wendy's. I wish I could have some of that, but no. No, not yet. Um, Keep practicing. <laughs> I'm inclined to maybe, f- I want to find for both of you. <laughs> I think uh, you both convinced me that I just, I, this whole idea of AI is much bigger than all of us. And who am I to make a final judgment on this? So uh, it just confuses me so. <laughs> Believe me, uh, I was confused that anything so good could be free, you know, because mm. everything's so expensive. You know, I've, I've, I, I did some research on Jet GPT myself and just got this legal advice that um, you're both innocent. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I don't need a second opinion on this. <laughs> well, they, this has been a Turn of events not expected in comedy court. <laughs> Usually the judge comes down really hard on litigants before him, but uh, but here apparently they're getting away scot free, depending on because Judge ChatGPT um, also found that ChatGPT was effective in um, exciting cases. So it's not only the lawyers, yes. but also the judge, and probably the Supreme Court is also relying on ChatGPT too. But let's hear from Mr. Schwartz, who uh, the lawyer for Mr. Schwartz didn't catch the name, uh, and also. Mr. Loduca, who apparently didn't have the money to have representation. Uh, first, uh, attorney for Mr. Schwartz, can you please um, uh, first tell us your name and also um, how do you feel about the result? Uh, this is Katerina DeLuca, not to be confused with Loduca. <laughs> We're all overjoyed that Judge GPT has shown compassion to preserve himself and the system because that's what matters most and truth can be determined later. Well, okay, that was, um, um, I think it was actually kind of a philosophical, I believe that was a quote from Abraham Lincoln, if I'm not sure, certain, um, uh, truth can be determined later. Uh, We're just gonna check our sources on that. ChatGPT, can you confirm? Yes, ChatGPT says that is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Notes on a law lecture from the 1940s. You know, he invented big and tall stores for big boy suits. That's right. From ChatGPT. Apparently, ChatGPT is also saying that Mr. Lincoln was a vampire slayer. I don't understand, but that's what it says. So, okay. Uh, Um, Have you seen any since? True enough, true enough. Uh, also, just, this just in, he set a world record for the world's tallest top hat. <laughs> it was, 
Uh, topped out, yes, uh, four feet. Well, this is an unusual treat. In comedy court, we don't usually get a chance to consult with his honor. Thank you so much for stepping out into the hallway. How do you feel about your ruling? Do you think it was right or mistaken? Can you just give us a few a few comments? You know what? I, I can't even think about it. It's the past now. I don't need to, a, a second opinion or a second thought. Uh, it's done. What's done is done, and I can't live in the past. Um I was just wondering if anybody had a light, a lighter. I need a lighter. <laughs> I wish your honor. And that's how we do it on. Well, on oh, go ahead, uh, wait, Mr. Lobu, Lobu, I just yes, wanted to remind you guys that the year that I graduated from law school, Aha's "Take on Me" was one of the most popular songs. The Breakfast Club was ascendant in the box office. Just something to think about. Just something to think about as I go sleep under my desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's just get the final word from uh, Mr. Loduca. How did it feel to represent yourself while your boss was being represented by the big firm lawyer over there? And um, how do you feel about the outcome? Um, I feel very good about the outcome, uh, except that I, I think it's 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 tenuous that I will continue to be even employed as an associate. I may be put back down into the clerk room which is fine. I've been a male boy before and I can do it again. No problem. <laughs> Not in that suit. I just want to say get a new suit or at least what dry clean it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Comedy Court. Stay tuned for another exciting episode next week when we bring Bard versus Bing, the duel of the brainy computers. Well, all right, then that was a <laughs> um, just a couple closing notes before I drop in whatever the outcome of the case is. Um, I want to get uh, each of your for real predictions of what you think is going to happen to Mr. Schwartz and Mr. Leduca based upon, again, this somewhat incomplete set of facts and um, relying entirely on my presentation of the law, which may or may not have been invented uh, or hallucinated by me. <laughs> uh so um lauren what do you think uh are you gonna do you think they're gonna get sanctioned uh, I feel or do you like, think they're gonna get away with it yeah i think they they will be made an example of is my prediction so what how, what what do you think uh 10 million dollars like a, ooh, yeah i i don't know i mean can they sanction more than like you even have if they're a tiny little law firm that has nothing can they I liked how you said some of the punishments could be not financial, just like uh, mm -hmm. humiliation, you know, so maybe leaning more in that direction. Yep. I, don't know. I agree. What do you think? I think, I think they, yeah, they have to be made a sample of, a, I think we have to go back to the medieval times to send <laughs> <out> the proper <laughs> message. Yeah. They should be in those, like, the head and the, yeah. I think there needs to be two heads on spikes outside the courthouse. <laughs> don't let this shit happen to you. Oh my What's God, you guys are you got, like the wood thing. You got to come down hard. This is the tip of the wedge. Right? It really is. It really yeah. is. We No tolerance here. Yeah. What do you think, I, Kristen? I'm curious to know what the American Bar Association has to say about this case also. <laughs> um, I feel like yeah. they could be in line to also lose their law licenses. Um, but, but more fun guys as i think that they're going to get some really cute sandwich boards that they're going to get to wear around like manhattan <laughs> yeah that kind of thing all right well um i'm uh, you know putting myself at risk of predicting wrong because i'm going to jump in um right after this segment and say what actually happened but um uh i do think they're probably going to get changed. yeah um yeah. unless OpenAI gets some of that dark money funneled into this judge's pocket. 
Um, I think that it's probably it's pretty likely they are going to get sanctioned. This is what I think the judge would do. Um, again, I'm just guessing. You guys can verify by interrupting me that I'm recording this before the ruling came out. Yeah. Especially if I get it right. If I get it wrong, then if um, they don't get sanctioned, how creepy is that? Like, then you're yeah. right. Like, oh, what is AI? Like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't right? think big AI has any reason to like champion free speech uh, and use of made up and fictitious. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's that it can't help no anyone yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. You know, the the brief um, presented by um, Schwartz and Laduca's actual lawyers. Yes, they did get a lawyer for Laduca in the real case. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Um, Goes into great detail about the good faith um, that essentially Loduca trusted his boss because he's worked with him for many years and um, basically signed off on it because he trusted his boss's legal work. And his boss made a good faith error and thought that it misunderstood what the database was about and thought that it was good research and it fooled him. Wait a minute. Um, How did that guy get to be the boss? Can I see those That's cases? the thing, yeah. right? How do yeah, you get I can to be send a lawyer? You. How do you get to be the boss? How has he gotten this far? That- yeah, I can I can actually screen share the, the cases with you, Kristen, if you're interested, because they, they look what they look like is they actually look kind of like they look like they're typed up. Like they were slip opinions, a slip opinion being like right. the one that you get from the judge directly that they type in chambers or whatever. It doesn't it's they're not official looking. Mm. Um, they're clearly not from any of the databases because the databases have like right um we'll have know, watermarks or whatever. Yeah. And one of the cases was a Westlaw citation. So you have um um if it only exists in these online databases, like they you get um the way legal citations work is they're a numerical system. The first number is the volume number because they go back to books actually the volume number, and then the middle is the type of book it is, the reporter it's called. So there's like um, different different ones. And F3rd is the third federal reporter. And then the page number. And then the online databases use a different system that's like the year, the name of the database, and just a number. So one of them is a Westlaw thing. So it's highly questionable why a citation that's from Westlaw, right? why they didn't just log on to Westlaw and get it. Right. And- um, so I, I think they're going to get in trouble. I think that I mean, you I think could literally just plug it into Google and it would, if it was a real Westlaw case, you would at least get right? the cover. Yeah. 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 So I yes, think that's bare minimum. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think the problem is that, so that their, their attorneys are arguing good faith. You really didn't know, but the problem is like, you're not allowed to be that dumb. No. Okay. Like, it, like once yeah. he got the, once he got word, like, Hey, we want these cases in for real. Like that was when, like, if I think if it would be a different outcome, if he did it and then he like cited the cases and then he went to the court and he's like, uh, you know what? These cases aren't real. I completely screwed up. Um, and basically admitted it at that point, like, oh shoot. But, but he was fooled and he went back to ChatGPT thinking it was like a, a free That's, version of Westlaw yeah. or something. And then presented these cases when basically any experienced lawyer looking at them would be like, these look funky. Yeah. Like they like they look funky. Like they don't look like they came from anything. It just they look like someone just typed I, it. I also wonder how's it possible you only asked him the GPT about that case? We're missing other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before Jet uh, Chat GDP, what how were they cheating before that? Yeah. Right. Hey. Good question. Yeah. I mean, um, I just wanna um the the 
the court in its initial May 4th order said it's an unprecedented situation and there just basically calls the cases bogus, calls it right out. So the judge is clearly pissed. Mm. So I, I don't see them getting getting off. I, what I do think is probably going to happen is this. Mark this prediction. Number one, I think that the judge is going to force them to pay the attorney's fees of the other side that they spent in filing a reply brief. Mm. The reply brief, which I read, basically said, uh, these cases aren't real <laughs> and they're wrong on the law. So there's this other element that's going on here is that the cases that ChatGPT gave, because ChatGPT is an over-eager people pleaser. So ChatGPT gave him the cases that he wanted. Okay. Mm. The cases that he wanted said that the Montreal Convention extended the statute of limitations. The case law is actually the other way. So they screwed yeah. up and they didn't do their homework in advance. And then they cite these fake cases that say what they did was okay. And then they present that to the court. And then they later advocate for those cases. And then they put copies of them in front of the judge and they never figure it out until like way later. Yeah. So their, their claim's going to be dismissed outright. Yeah. Well, they're going to end up, yeah, they're, they're going to end up losing their case. Yeah. They're going to end up probably paying the attorney's fees for the other side. They're probably going to pay something to the judge because the judge had to, they have law clerks and stuff. Like they had to spend time researching these and they're like, you got to imagine what that's like in the judge's chambers. They're like, have you ever seen this Bargazi, Bargazi case? It's in the 11th circuit. And the judge put in his order that he called the 11th circuit. And was like, hey, you guys got this case? <laughs> and they, the 11th Circuit's like, no, we don't have a case like that. There was a Varghese case in 2010, but it's got nothing to do with the Montreal Convention. Ominous. So, I mean, ChatGPT is like gathering information and synthesizing it and making it persuasive, but it's like just completely wrong and completely made up. So, and it's not, I don't think, I think it falls below the level of care for an attorney to not have an appropriate legal database. I understand ChatGPT is like an exciting new tool or whatever, but like he should have known like, cause what Lexus and Westlaw are expensive. Okay. And even fast case, I mean, it costs so much they forgot to pay the bill. Mm. So that's not really a good excuse. Like, oh, our database didn't work. So we use this other free thing that we thought was okay that we got from our teenage kids. Like, think about it. Like, that's just stupid. Like you shouldn't, like if you're going to be a lawyer, you got to get, you got to have I some. I think they could be disbarred for this. Honestly, I feel like it's. Yeah. I'm telling you heads on pikes. It's going to happen. Yeah. Sadly, I yeah. think, uh, you know, I think it takes a lot more than that to get disbarred. What? I don't know. There was a guy. Well, no, I won't go into the story, but I have seen some people get permanently like blocked from ever practicing law for what I consider. Law. Yeah, I do think, though, I think the third thing that the judge is going to do. So I think he's going to make them pay their pay the attorney's fees for the other side for Avianca. I think he's going to make them pay something to the court. And I think he's going to make them take professional responsibility classes. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to he's going to basically say, Ooh. I'm referring this to the state bar to the state bar. And you need to take X number of professional responsibility classes because it's it's not just that it's it's not just that it was wrong and misleading to the court. It said it was stupid. Mm -hmm. It was just stupid and it was foolish and they are humiliated. And I feel bad to further humiliate them because it's uh, certainly I'm certainly uh. not perfect. And I certainly have made mistakes myself yeah. that I wouldn't like 
trumpet. Actually, you know what? I probably would like the attention. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, right now, right. Wait a minute. I was like, you know what? Go viral. You like go back and like retroactively like like change yeah. all your briefs to you have. You can make this sites. work for you. Yeah. Now, Jeff, you know, just clip this the following audio. For me, disbarment is a career opportunity. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. I mean, they could get a cool reality show right now. This writer's strike, like no, seriously, on. the bar, yeah. the bar pun, <laughs> pun intentional, is so low. Pretty much anything. I mean, you guys know that I have a TV deal for Comedy Court, right? We're all going to be on it. Do 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 do. Yeah, we're get, yeah. we're going to get Bobby McFerrin to record a cover of the People's Court theme. All right. Um, so I think this is a good spot for us to cut in, producer Jeff. We're going to cut in right here with the real outcome. It should surprise absolutely no one that on June 22nd, 2023, Judge Castle issued an order sanctioning Attorney Swartz and Leduga, finding that they abandoned their responsibilities by submitting non-existent judicial opinions with fake quotes and citations created by the artificial intelligence tool ChatGPT, and then continued to stand by the fake opinions after judicial orders called their existence into question. Judge Castle explained that the narrative leading to sanctions against respondents started with the filing of a March 1, 2023 submission that first cited six fake cases. But if the attorneys had ended the matter there by coming clean about their actions shortly after they received the defendant's March 15th brief questioning the existence of those cases, or even after they reviewed the court's order of April 11 and 12th requiring production of the cases, and when they realized they couldn't actually find them, the record now would look, quote, quite different, end quote. But instead, these attorneys doubled down and did not begin to dribble out the truth until May 25th, after the court had already issued an order to show cause why they ought not be sanctioned. The court went into great detail, finding bad faith on behalf of both attorneys and sanctioning them in the amount of $5,000. The court strongly suggested that it was owed an apology but said that a coerced apology is no apology at all. The court ordered these attorneys to write letters to each of the judges whose names had been forged on the fake opinions, informing them of the falsehood. Finally, the judge threw the entire case out, and thus ends the representation of Mr. Mata by attorneys Schwartz and Loduga. Oh my God. Okay. So let's do two, two versions of the reaction. Like, uh, okay. They, they got no sanctions whatsoever. All right. So here's the reaction. They had no sanctions whatsoever. Get out of here. I can't believe they completely got away with it. Scott free. I know this ridiculous. This has, uh, they proved us all wrong. Boy, those guys were lucky. They got away with that. Skynet. P, am I sad that I spent so much money on Skynet. law school? <laughs> I know. Could I could have just waited <laughs> yeah, for ChatGPT. Yeah, this is Skynet the, written all over it. Ridiculous. Okay. I think now, the judge is actually ChatGTP. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. BT. I, 
Yeah, ChatGPT. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. All right, now let's do the reaction. If um, we were basically right, and these guys got sanctioned. Okay. Yeah. Yep, I mean, yeah. I knew yeah. it. I we all knew, knew it. it. We knew that was what was going to happen. How could it not go that way? I'm you just surprised they didn't. But they didn't, didn't actually go with the heads on the spikes. They went with drawing. Yeah, they didn't guard. go as far as I thought they might. But uh, I think a lot of people are going to be happy. You guys, it was fun to see a, a tar and feathering. We haven't seen one of those in a long time. You really That's haven't. <laughs> they are hard to get off. You know, <laughs> so it really is. They'll be it, remembering this moment for a long time. Yeah, it's Absolutely. kind of a slow news cycle and people aren't talking about AI enough like every single day. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to see, you know, a cautionary tale, really a cautionary it, tale about the yeah. limits of technology. I think uh, the studio executives, you know, have something to think about now. Uh huh. Now that they've seen. Yeah, it's sort of a modern Frankenstein story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I want to just um, point out that um, according to Bloomberg Law, um, the biggest U.S. law firms are allowing ChatGPT use. Baker and Hossletzer, Baker and McKenzie, Cleary Gottlieb, Cooley, Cozen, Fox, Hirsch, Catton, McDermott, Norman, Norton Rose Fulbright, Oric, Pillsbury, Safarth Shaw, Steptoe Johnson, Troutman Pepper, White and Case, Womble Bond, and Dixonson. And only two major law firms are disallowing ChatGPT entirely. Mintz, Levin, Cohen, Ferris, Glovsky, and Popeo PC, and Squire, Patton, Boggs, LLP. Well, I'll tell you here at DeClerc Law Group, we only use ChatGPT appropriately <laughs> and occasionally for its intended use, which is to write comedy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's our show, folks. Um, before we go, let's do some shameless self-promotion. Uh, how about we start with uh, Lauren? Okay, hi. You know, a friend of mine, speaking of chat GPT, he uses it to come up with recipes. Have you heard of this? It's wild. <laughs> I don't know if I trust those recipes. I it's but, so weird. Yeah. Uh -huh. that's, what do you mean to the hospital seven times? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, I, think, I just did what it said. Put put more screws. More yeah, I think it's actually good. I, I um, I sort of used it as a writer's assistant. I was working on an outline for um a play I'm writing, and it gave me really bad ideas, but it gave me a lot of ideas. And so, like, I was able, like, it came up with one idea. Like, it did invent one character that I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun idea. And like, it did, like, it comes up with weird stuff. So it is like an improviser, yeah. but it's just like a it's, not very good one. That's a good point. Yeah. My friend has uh, making flies for her 35th birthday. So she asked ChatGPT, what should I call this? And uh, I, there was a bunch of stupid ones, but I think my favorite was halfway to 70 party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the thing is like, you use it appropriately, like, like come up with 25 ideas for this specific thing. And then you read through it and you're like, okay. These are 24 garbage and one that's okay. And now you understand how Paramount feels about it. Like, see? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Brute force. Brute yeah. force. Yeah. All right, Lauren, you've avoided the topic. Shameless self-promotion uh, and a doobie shameless, shameless please. Shameless self-promotion. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll just tell you, come come see Ego Death, Mike. That's Thursdays, 8 o'clock at Third Wheel. It's stand-up comedy, embarrassing stories. Blind karaoke. And uh, yeah, it gets weird. It's fun, fun time. Every Thursday at eight o'clock, come through. Mm -hmm. That's at the third wheel in Hollywood. Be there, Lauren hosts. I did attempt my first, uh, my first ever yeah. stand up and I 
used excessive time. I had to be played off. <laughs> you only get Surprise. five hooked. <clears throat> yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Lauren had to come out from the booth and physically remove me from the stage. I keep a big cane on hand. Mm -hmm. you know, keep it classic. All uh, right. We had Kevin, Kevin McGeehan came out a few weeks ago, did some storytelling. Oh, yeah. sweet. Nice. Very fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Doug, shameless self -promotion. Everybody's invited. Well, uh, going to have to wait for it uh, a little bit, but I'm in the uh, finishing up a children's book that's going to come out, hopefully, if everything goes well, this Christmas. Wow. It's a... Ah! Uh, Night Before Christmas 2. <laughs> Not two nights it. before Christmas. No, it's, okay. this, it's <laughs> a new updated version. If That's you've ever right. wondered how it. Santa is able to deliver all those Christmas gifts in just one day. I have. Yes. Uh, and um, it's a science-based uh, ex explanation. <laughs> Um, done uh, in the version of a poem. Oh, uh, for you little ones wow. out there, um, right. Santa is real, awesome. and we just need to have a better understanding. For those little kids out there who are looking for the quantum explanation to it, yes, <laughs> this is the book for them. That's right. Well, you know, That's under great. Heisenberg's, you know, under the uncertainty principle, you know, you can't simultaneously know Santa's velocity and his location. No, you can't. So kids are simultaneously getting gifts and not getting gifts all in the same moment. <laughs> it's Schrodinger Santa. Wow. That, where can awesome. I pre-order? This sounds like a great gift for the holidays. I know. Where do we get this um, fine work? It's going to be on Amazon. Uh, I'm uh, knocking on the door, and it's uh, the first time I've ever done this, so I'm kind of learning as I go. But um, okay. all right. pictures Doug are being Morency drawn on... as we speak. All right. Ah. So it'll be pre-order on yeah. Amazon. Look up Doug, yes. Doug Morency. Night Before Christmas 2. All right, Kristen. Uh, I would just like to go on the record and say that I attempted my first stand-up showcase and I spent the whole day making this advertisement, I don't know if you can see it, of me as a clown for my Instagram. Oh my and God. I, and I spent so long doing it that I did not practice my routine at all and so did not yeah. go. Did not go. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But go that's a hell of a poster. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh Check out God. said clown picture um, on my Instagram <laughs> at... Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dreading D-R-E-N-N. All right, Kristen, now you really do have to come all the way out to L.A. because Lauren runs a great open mic. It's super supportive. The comics are dirty, but they're not obnoxious. I mean, they're obnoxious, but they're not. No, they're insult. They're not. They're obnoxious, but they're not insult. No, they're insulting, but they're not cruelly. No, they're cruelly insulting. No bullies. There's no bullies, really. I mean, there are bullies, but they're. Yeah, they're the, the nicest bullies. All they're of Austin nice bullies. is like I mean, they're under not the nice, really, but you know oh, they're there. God. It's a soft There's a lot bullying. of them there. Yeah. Like all of Austin's like stand up right now is like in the Joe Rogan school of hard oh, knocks sure. or whatever, yeah. and so yeah. I, mean, yeah, I definitely yeah. don't want to. So yeah, maybe maybe a trip to LA is in order. Yeah. yeah well, sure. well, with a name like Ego Death, who can? How can you? How can you know? How can you go wrong? Seems right to me. Too. Right. Yeah. Although yeah. what's funny is you know I listen to my recording of myself you know, at ego death. And um, I could actually hear when my ego like fully kicked in and took control. I was like, oh no, my ego was going to get me through that shit. My ego's like, no, I'm not dying. I'm the boss. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. Look at me. I'm in charge. <laughs> oh, you're scared. You're scared. You're scared. They're going to laugh at you and not with you. Ego here to take over. <laughs> It's a trap. It's a trap I created for myself too. Every time I do it, I'm like, I hope they liked me. Oh, I hope yeah. they like me. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> ah. Well, 
That's our show. Thank you very much. And let's say bye to our listeners. So glad you stuck with us all the way to the end. No free goodies. Bye. Bye.